Welcome to the fourth episode of Cutting Edge. I'm Landon Sturdivant, and for those of you who have been tuning in day in and day out, your support means so much, and hopefully these episodes continue to be engaging, enjoyable, and valuable to you. Any feedbacks, insights, commentary, or suggestions for future episodes that you may have are appreciated. Today is going to be a fun one, I think, because you're all familiar with The weekend. The 31-year-old Canadian is at the forefront of pop music as it's known today, winning three Grammys, five American Music Awards, 19 Billboard Music Awards, five number one singles, and four number one albums throughout his storied career. This year, he added to his accolades by being one of the select few Super Bowl halftime performers at Super Bowl 55. It's of no surprise to anyone that he continues to be one of the top 10 most streamed artists in the world month in and month out. Seeing the numbers and the impact behind the weekend today is jaw-dropping enough, but his humble beginnings make these feats beyond miraculous. How did he do it? And how does he continue to do it, climbing higher and higher as the years progress? To understand this, we'll have to start from the beginning. Now, for a long time, the weekend's life before fame was pretty hard to uncover, as he's been known as a very quiet and secluded person. And having such influence in such a noisy world, that's a very respectable trait to have. Over time, however, his story slowly but surely started to unfold. Before he was the weekend, he was Abel Tesfe from the Scarborough section of Toronto, the only child to Ethiopian immigrants. He was raised by his grandmother and mother following his dad leaving the picture. As the weekend states it, he saw him once when he was around six and again at age 12, but by that time, he had a new family and kids. There was no bad blood, however. I'm sure he's a great guy, states Tesfe in a 2015 interview with Rolling Stone. I never judged him. He was just never there. Tesfe first came familiar with his unique knack for vocalizing while attending Bridgemount Park Collegiate Institute, as he would sing in the hallways while friends of his hyped him up and was always willing to belt out a happy birthday tune for girls in the parking lot. To young Tesfe, however, singing felt like more than just a way to reel in the ladies. He saw it as an escape, both therapeutically and literally, from his traumatic and dismal childhood. He would drop out of school in 2007 at age 17, along with his best friend Lamar Taylor, who co-founded the weekend's signature XO Records and remains the artist's creative director to this day. Talk about keeping the circle close. In fact, this name is derived from the two dropping out and moving to Parkdale, as they left one weekend and never came back. However, to avoid copyright issues with the Canadian band, also called The Weeknd, he dropped the E in his name. This name didn't come into use until later on, however. He originally started posting anonymously to YouTube in August 2009 and would pump out content while cycling through a number of different aliases, including The Noise and Kincaid. A year later, he met a producer named Jeremy Rose. Rose had an idea for a dark contemporary R&B project, but after a failed pitch to Toronto-based artist Curtis Santiago, Tezfe experimented with Rose's beats, which resulted in three songs, What You Need, The Morning, and Loft Music all of which were scrapped from Rose's project, ultimately. However, he allowed Tesfay to keep them under one condition. If he was to release them, he'd have to credit Rose. He released the, song on a, uh, the songs rather, on a random YouTube account, of which was titled XOXXOOOXO. This is where Tesfay began to accumulate some real momentum, creating buzz online large enough to reach the likes of Drake, who acknowledged him via blog post. In 2011, following meeting two local music executives, EXO Records was officially established. Under the label, now going under the weekend, he released his first mixtape, 
House of Balloons. This was the project that made The Weeknd a cult star in Toronto, despite being faceless and nameless to listeners. At the time, he was working at an American Apparel, and he states that people would talk about his music without even knowing it was him. The mixtape provided something fresh and new, something that had never been tried before. The Weeknd's melodic and gorgeous falsetto, in combination with often very dark subject matters such as lust and addiction, was a strangely gripping approach to traditional R&B. While incorporating production nodding at the exploding EDM scene of the early 2010s, it was simultaneously reminiscent of the synth-driven hymns of the 80s. People loved it. In July of the same year, The Weeknd made his debut appearance as the man behind the rising name at the Mod Club Theater. Extremely nervous, he was met with an adoring crowd of very early followers who sang each line word for word along with him. The electrifying performance pried Drake to meet up with a 21-year-old to discuss collaborations. This resulted in the weekend opening for shows of his and a feature at his OVO festival, as well as Drake's acclaimed and iconic mixtape Take Care, of which the weekend contributed to four songs at some capacity. From 2012 to 2015, the weekend continued his rise as an established artist. Performances at Coachella, two mixtapes with high-profile features, opening for Justin Timberlake, remixes for Beyonce and Ariana Grande, and contributions to the soundtracks of The Hunger Games Catching Fire and Fifty Shades of Grey, the latter of which would bring him his first Academy Award with the song Earned It. In 2015, his album Beauty Behind the Madness would take the world by storm. The album would reach number one along with previously released singles The Hills and Can't Feel My Face, which were both diamond certified records that peaked at number one prior to the album's release. Doing it one better in November 2016, The Weeknd released Starboy. The titular song, which featured French electronic duo Daft Punk, has nearly 2 billion views on its accompanying video on YouTube. I Feel It Coming, also featuring Daft Punk, reached a number 4 spot. Following his assistance on the Black Panther soundtrack with Pray For Me, featuring Kendrick Lamar, peaking at number 7, and another mixtape, My Dear Melancholy, in 2018, which saw Calling Out My Name reaching number 4, the weekend was relatively radio silent for the next year and a half. With fans anticipating his next drop, his next drop was even larger yet. The weekend teased blinding lights by way of a Mercedes-Benz commercial, debuting his now-famed red suit look. He first dropped his single Heartless three days later, with blinding lights following two days after Heartless. Heartless would debut at number 11, but would reach number one, making it his fourth number one hit. Blinding Lights, however, despite debuting at number 32, would take the number one spot and spend an entire calendar year there. It was the longest charting song of all time. Releasing After Hours in March 2020, the whopping 444,000 units the album moved in the first week made it a lock for the number one album, The Weeknd's fourth. The success and widespread critical acclaim of the album saw him earn his Super Bowl halftime appearance, of which he spent $7 million of his own money to fund the show. Though the lack of stellar audio quality made for some negative critique, it was undeniably a memorable performance, and the effort showed. His streaming numbers jetted even higher. As of today, though Instagram posts from his page are hinting at a new album soon, it's not clear what it will be called or when it's dropping. But there's certainly plenty of evidence and reason to believe that he is something special in the vault, packed with moments and memories for us all to enjoy in future weeks. There's no denying that The Weeknd is phenomenally talented, 
from his unique and broad vocals to his captivating live performances to his hooking and relatable approach to songwriting, he is certainly an artist that deserves his accolades in a, mu- in a music industry that contains a lot of fluff even at the highest level. But as is commonly said, you can be the most talented artist in the world and be living in your mom's basement if you don't know how to sell yourself. So just how does The weekend do it? There's definitely something to be said about the early stages of his career where he was anonymous. Still very early to the world of internet marketing in 2010, the quality of The weekend's music was enough to make rounds on YouTube with enough output. But adding to that was the appeal to the innate human tendency to want to know who's behind something. We've seen this with a number of artists in recent years, and Marshmallow was a big example of this when he was first getting big, and I might even do an episode on him in the future. But people are mesmerized by mystery. The blurring of genre lines, the blend between melody and melancholy in the weekend's music, paired with no, paired with no idea of who the guy was, drew in that massive cult following that was pivotal in setting him up as a superstar. It also helped that even when there was a face behind the name, that reporters had a very hard time prying any details on his come up for such a long time. The less you say, the more they want to know, and then they gravitate towards you. In addition, he transitioned between a number of different signature looks, often in association with his album via the accompanying music videos. Think back on Beauty Behind the Madness, where he rocked the out-of-control and mountainous dreads. But then, in the dramatic intro to the Starboy music video, he has a bag over his head, he's tossing and turning because the guy's holding him down, and then it's ripped off, revealing a new cut in the form of a high-top fade. The red suit look from 2019 to 2021, including the sunglasses, created all kinds of buzz on social media and memes that followed. The bloody face and wrap in blinding lights and the extremely strange and angular plastic surgery look in Save Your Tears added to that publicity. His music videos throughout the history of his career have also been known to be thought-provoking and mildly disturbing, also thematic and symbolic to things like the darker side of fame, drug use, and sex. He seems to do these with deep intention, often telling a much bigger story, though he never confirms what any of it actually means, adding to the mystique of his artistry. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, because this is an individual among many individuals, but him in particular is somebody I find fascinating. And I had a fun time digging a bit deeper on him and figuring out just what makes him the weekend. If you did too, share this with a friend who might enjoy it. I would super appreciate that. If you want to follow Cutting Edge, I'm currently just on Spotify and Amazon Music, so you can follow me and listen to me there. I'm listed for Apple Podcasts and Pandora if those are the sources that you usually use. But hopefully in the coming weeks, they'll review that and they'll uh, accept my podcast. So hopefully that's going to come soon. But in terms of following me, I'm going to be available on Instagram at Landon underscore Sturdevant. That's L-A-N-D-O-N underscore S-T-U-R-D-E-V-A-N-T. Just how it's spelled in the podcast artwork. Um, on Snapchat, I'm LT Sturdevant 21. That's L-T-S-T-U-R-D-E. V-A-N-T-21. And with all that being said, thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next one.